0: Hello and welcome to Mother Mother, a new podcast from the mom friends you need right now, because this shit is hard. I'm your host, Emily Ferris, a writer and married mom of two in Kansas City. While Mother Mother is technically a parenting podcast, this isn't a podcast about kids. It's a podcast all about the experience of being a mother, which in some ways is universal, but is really very different for all of us. It's also an excuse for me to talk with a different mom friend each week, and hopefully also an excuse for you to socially distance from your family for 30 minutes to an hour and hang out with us too. This week's episode is definitely pushing an hour, and that's after I cut out about seven minutes of me detailing my myriad butt problems. Yes, I said it, I have butt problems, which I still talk about in this episode, I just happen to spare you the details. And the seven minutes, you are welcome. If you do want to continue the conversation after the episode, or if you have a strong desire to learn more about my butt problems, hey, I won't judge, join us in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash mother, mother podcast, where the password is tired. And you can always find more information on the show and my guests at mother, mother where yes, you can also leave me a voicemail. Okay. I won't keep you in suspense about my butt any longer. My guest today is Jennifer Sturridge Cummins, a Kansas City-based mom of two girls and a third-generation family practice physician. Uh, She describes herself as a nerdy introvert just trying to figure things out day to day. And Jennifer is not only our doctor, she is my doctor. I'm so excited to have you here, Jennifer. (laughs) Thank
1: you. I'm excited as well.
0: Really I just brought you here to answer all of my personal medical questions for me. So get ready. Free visit. We're just going to talk about my butt for an hour. <laughs> you ready to talk about my butt for a whole hour? Perfect. Yes. Before we get to my butt problems, I want to hear about your lockdown because you're a doctor, you're a family physician, mm-hmm. and you obviously had to keep working because healthcare did not come to a halt when it did not. lockdown happened. Though I feel like people very much stopped their regular visits. As did I. <laughs> so what was your lockdown like? Did you start seeing patients remotely or were you still in the office the whole time? So mine was pretty unique,
1: actually. So I, I do mostly outpatient. But like you, I also had a baby right at the beginning of the pandemic.
0: Oh, yeah. Our kids are the same age. So you your two girls are basically the same age as my boys, like as yours? yeah, almost six and almost two, Um,
1: almost five and almost two. OK, so, so your older when, ones, you're younger. Yes. OK. Yeah, so I basically all the crazy started coming out on the news, right? And obviously, in the offices, we're sitting here starting to talk about okay, what does this mean? How are we going to get people in here safely? Who are we going to see? How do we get switched over to virtual, which is something we've never really done? And all that had to be figured out. But in the meantime, I was to deliver about two weeks after all of the shutdowns were happening. And so I was listening in on the news and hearing that if you're positive when you deliver your baby, that they may separate you.
0: That was so fucking terrifying. Even though my baby was three weeks old when we went into lockdown, I was like having postpartum anxiety for those mothers. right?
1: I I tend to be pretty non-confrontational. And I was like, if someone tries to take my baby away, I might attack them.
0: (laughs) Oh, I would. I would go full on mama bear. Like, don't you dare.
1: Right. Um, So I, again, my situation was a little different as they were trying to shut down and get visits figured out and switched over to virtual. I actually said, hey, I want to go home for two weeks because I don't want to be anywhere, anywhere near anyone. And so I can do virtual visits from home. How how does that sound? So I did that basically was home for two weeks and then delivered and then went on maternity leave. So I had a nice break away when all the chaos was hitting, but it definitely was not the maternity leave I had expected it to be.
0: No, it's funny that you call it a break because you work in healthcare, so I guess in some ways it was a break for you. Yeah. And I felt like it was anything but a break, like I like being at work, would have been so much easier than being at home with a newborn baby. And an, I guess he was four, three. I don't even know. Like that with yeah. a, a toddler and a baby, like that was not a fucking break. <laughs> it really wasn't. No, <laughs>
1: I had it in my head right. Like so, when I you know first got pregnant and didn't know that a pandemic would be hitting us.
0: Only the CDC pandemic team would have known that, and they got <laughs> right. fired. So who knew? Who who, who could knew? have ever predicted this? We don't need them. I mean, no. just no, get clearly, those. clearly, those we're fine without
1: them. <laughs> yeah so I in my head, I was like, I'll send my three year old to daycare a few days of the week. I'll be at home with the newborn um maybe we'll sign her up for some classes during that time, like my oldest, and you know I'll have this nice balance between everyone that did not happen, so we were all just stuck at home together. It was hard, and I'm not a stay at home mom person, like I'm very mom much either. a working mom, like I don't know that's I am amazed that women can do that because I am not
0: good at it. I remember crying to my husband more than once and being like, if I would have known that I would have been a full-time work-at-home mom and a full-time stay-at-home mom, I never would have had children. Right. I, like, I love my kids more than anything. But exactly. if, I, if I would have known that that was my future, I yeah. would not have had children. I just wouldn't yeah. have.
1: So by the end of maternity leave, I was kind of ready to get back to it, even in the midst of a pandemic.
0: Were you terrified? Were you calm?
1: Yeah. No, nervous a little. It was weird. I feel like when you are at home and isolating completely, because I mean, we really did. I had a newborn, so we were not going anywhere. We took walks around the neighborhood. We stayed in our backyard. We didn't go to parks really or anything. I mean, we locked down pretty, pretty significantly. Um, And so the biggest and weirdest thing was just to suddenly go back to work where you were surrounded by people again. Um, At that point it was July. And so we had started to get more people back into the office. Um, For a while while I was on maternity leave, our office kind of did the split thing where some people were in the office some days and then others were doing virtual some days and they just keep less people there. And that had kind of stopped when I was coming back. So really everyone was in the office again and we were just seeing patients normally. And just that feeling of suddenly being around people again initially was weird. I bet. But then you realized that, oh, I, overall, it's not, you, you didn't have to completely isolate from everyone. I mean, we were in an office setting, everyone was masked, everyone was screened, everyone, you know, it it was probably the safest thing you could possibly do at that time. But
0: yeah, hospitals and doctor's offices at one point did begin to feel very safe. I remember at the beginning- yeah telling my oldest son, like, don't do any We don't want to go to the hospital right now. We don't want to go to the hospital right now. Like anything. I'd be like, don't stand on that chair. Don't walk on the couch. Yes. Don't do anything. We cannot go to the hospital. It was terrifying.
1: Yeah. And I think that's like anything, right? If you just don't do it for a while, it sounds, it's, everything's really scary. And then once you start doing it again, you go, oh, okay, that's not so bad.
0: That's a good point. I definitely like got shut in syndrome or whatever yeah. it might, like just oh, from did. being- home all the time, locked in our house, hearing and reading news reports all the time. The idea of going anywhere was terrifying.
1: Yeah. I had also the extra, um, I mean, it's it's a privilege that I have because of being a physician, but I'm part of many physician groups on Facebook and stuff too. and And so you get the All the conversations during a pandemic that are happening and the questions and the research that's being put out and constant just updates on everything, and so I think that was also fueling so much during maternity i mean i I would basically sit at home, take care of the kids, and then any free time was just digesting every piece of information that was coming through on the pandemic and it it got to be a lot um and I'm still doing it, I'm still filtering through and trying to stay up, but you just. If you're working all day, you just don't have as much time to do it. So,
0: Now, we had a few listener questions. So this question is more about kids, but I'm going to frame it in with kids and COVID. Mm-hmm. So knowing what you know as a doctor in general, but also about COVID and COVID and kids, do you feel more anxious because you know everything? Or do you feel like you're less anxious because you can... Step back and look at data and take a deep breath and be like okay we're we're okay. I think
1: that differs for every doctor a little bit honestly, and specialty and all that, like so I'm a family med doctor, so I see all ages, babies to a hundred years old, and I think that helps me. I don't feel super anxious about like my kids' health and something weird is going on, and I don't immediately bring them to the to their doctor every time. That being said, I'm also co-workers with their doctor. So you know I can text her if I need to, oh, yeah. if I need anything. It makes it easier. But I think I'm less anxious because I can see it and usually can rational rationalize it, you know.
0: Well, I remember I messaged you on Facebook, which I try not to do too often for medical questions because I don't want to take advantage of that and I should use the portal. <laughs> I remember messaging you and be like, "What are you doing about vaccines? I'm trying to get the doctor to do drive through? Are you going to vaccinate your own kids? What? And so what did you end up doing?
1: Again, I have the benefit that one of my partners is, or is my daughter's pediatrician. So for the newborn visits, like the ones you do right after you get home in the one month visit, I actually did her vitals myself and weighed her and measured her and we got on a call and that was basically our visit. So again, a perk, yeah. but everything else I did The same, you know, there was, there was a lot of concern about like, okay, what is the safety for kids and bringing them in? But end of the day, it just came down to, I don't want to get through this pandemic. And at that time, I was like, I don't know, a year or whatever, and be super behind on just general health. Um, and then there was also this real concern, and and we probably are seeing some of this, um, of if we have just a huge amount of kids not getting vaccinated, what does that mean for the other diseases that are out there? Do we start yeah. to see more of them?
0: That actually weighed into my decision to be like, okay, we're just going in. I can't fall yeah. behind. I cannot fall behind because I cannot be a family that contributes to the Problem of people not being vaccinated. Right. We don't need more measles. No. And I was like, the risk of measles, honestly, is probably greater than us getting COVID going to the doctor's office. Yeah. Obviously, measles is scarier, but it was mostly eradicated because of vaccines. Exactly. Turns, Turns out, out they work. It's huh. weird. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> vaccines. Gotta look into that.
1: I'm gonna have Uh, like uh, anti vaxxers at my doorstep uh, after this podcast. Oh no, they'll
0: they'll come to mine first, and I'll take care (laughs) of them for you. Don't worry about it. Speaking of sick kids, when I first asked you to come on the podcast, I had a cold from my child who finally went back to daycare or went for the first time went to daycare. uh, I think at 15 months, finally, Uh, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, we have to start this whole sick kids thing over again," and I was so worried that he was going to be super sick because he been at home for 15 months and never even had a sniffle. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he was sick. He actually ended up having RSV and we didn't know it was RSV oh, till God. the very end. Yeah. So I'm very glad that I didn't know because I feel like that would have given me some anxiety. Uh, I just thought it was a cold. It was, yeah. I mean, RSV is kind of a cold, but it's the scary one. It can be scary. Yes. Yeah. Luckily he's a chonker and he's he was a year and a half, so he was <laughs> fine. But how can we as mothers, as parents avoid getting every fucking cold and sniffle and virus that our kids bring home?
1: Oh my gosh. I just don't think you can.
0: <laughs> can we avoid some of them?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I laughed because at that time I had also just gotten through a cold that had spread through our house as well, um, from our youngest. So, Do your
0: kids also sneeze directly into your mouth?
1: Oh yeah. Actually yeah. that I, I had luckily already had the cold, so it didn't matter. But as I was sick with the cold that she had given me, um, my lovely little cute one and a half year old took her my cheeks into her hands turned my face to hers and coughed just mm. like she meant to like she just I think that they was do. signs do. of affection I don't know <laughs> um. And I mean, I think to some extent it's that, right? You can't completely avoid that. You're living in the same house with kids that will constantly share everything with you. So unless you want to just be that person who doesn't share drinks or spoons or utensils or washes their hand every time they touch their kid and <laughs> wipes every surface down every time it gets used then great, you will stay healthy. But likelihood, you're going to get some colds if you have little young kids that go to daycare because they do, they just bring everything home.
0: I kind of thought that I would build immunity to everything during the first kid and then by the second kid, I would be immune to it. But that didn't happen. Oh, no. That's not a thing, is it?
1: No, no. Just they bring home new stuff every time. Like you think you got it and then then some new virus comes home.
0: There's just like no end. Yeah. And as we've all learned- They mutate. They do. Exactly. Common cold, even. So is there, like, at what age do we kind of age out or time out of all the viruses? I think
1: when you get through, like, the young elementary stage, to some extent, obviously, you're still going to have colds being brought home from... Older kids, but I think honestly, the young elementary age is kind of when you stop sharing stuff all the time.
0: Like teenagers don't sneeze in your mouth. I
1: exactly, hope. they don't lovingly look in your into your eyes and then cough.
0: <laughs> oh, they're so cute and snuggly, and they're so gross. They are. She meant it nicely. Do you have any kind of medical anxiety, like when you were? So the newborn stage during COVID, you were pretty calm and cool. Like, did you have any when you were pregnant? No. <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs>
1: it is. It is. No, I didn't. Um, I think so again, benefit of being family medicine. I was also trained in OB at a pretty complicated OB hospital. So I saw really scary things, and I had actually very uncomplicated pregnancies. So I didn't have a whole lot to worry about really. Um I that being said, I have plenty of friends that are doctors that did have complicated pregnancies. Um and they had rights to be anxious about things, you know. Like I think that that's I just had easy pregnancies and I I don't know. I think I would have been more anxious if anything was really going on. But I just like everyone else, I was uncomfortable and couldn't sleep well and yeah. that
0: was it. I had fairly uncomplicated pregnancies too though I did. I don't know if I ever told you this with Charlie, my youngest. A couple of weeks before he was born, I went in for one of my regular visits and they ended up sending me to labor and delivery because mm-hmm. my blood pressure was like super high and my heart was racing and I don't know if you remember if you looked at my chart before the podcast, I have like freakishly low blood pressure and it was very high. I said I think I'm just having an anxiety attack because I'm having a baby in 2 weeks and I have so much to do before the baby comes. They were like, we have to send you to labor and delivery in case it's preeclampsia. Your blood pressure is too high. I was like, it's just an anxiety attack. And um, I'm going to just tell the world now, COVID is my fault because (laughs) I deal with my anxiety with humor. And I got to labor and delivery and the nurse was like, have you traveled anywhere? I was like, no. I was like, oh, I actually, we did go to Wuhan, China for a couple of weeks. And I mean, I was being kind of an asshole, but I I deal with my anxiety with humor. That's how I do. I do that too. And- this is all my fault because I made that horrible, horrible, horrible joke and I brought it here and I did this to us, and I am sorry to everyone.
1: I mean you didn't actually travel to Wuhan.
0: No. Right? So I was just I don't trying to I know, but it was like it wasn't like I shouldn't have used it as a punchline. I was just trying to, you know, lighten the situation. That's
1: true. The the universe basically came back to punish you.
0: Well, the the whole country, apparently. Yeah. The whole world. But you started it. Uh, I I started uh, it and I'm sorry. I apologize (laughs) to everyone. I will try not to be funny anymore. Ever again. Ever, ever ever again. So before we started recording, we were talking about medical anxiety and pregnancy. And I said, what's normal? Like, what is normal? What's not normal? How do you know when something that is going on during your pregnancy is normal? And how do you know when it's time to freak out and call your doctor or go to labor and delivery or do something? I think,
1: to some extent, so much during pregnancy is normal. And I don't want to like dismiss certain symptoms, right? But it's normal to have (laughs) joint pain and back pain and to, you know, have more frequency of pain and not being able to breathe very well. But there's always a little bit of those, the possibility that it's not normal. So I think a lot of people, especially with OB, I think get caught up on, oh, should I bother my doctor or not with this? And I mean, if there's ever any question, you bother your doctor, you know? I mean, no one wants you to not say something and then it turns out it is an issue.
0: Actually, there is one nurse in Kansas City who did like <laughs> that because she sent me away when I was having a miscarriage.
1: Oh, that's, that's nice.
0: She told me I was dehydrated and yeah. that I needed to take Tylenol and drink more water. Uh, I was like, I am cramping and spotting.
1: Right. This isn't normal. No.
0: No. So I then walked myself across the hall to where they do the ultrasounds. And I said, I am having, uh, I have an ultrasound in two weeks. You're moving it to right now. I am bleeding. And a wonderful ultrasound tech took me back and gave me an ultrasound and gave me the horrible news. I was like 11 and a half weeks or 10 and Uh, a half weeks or something. But I ended up switching OBs because of that nurse.
1: Because of that. Oh, yeah. No, like the, the staff is, I mean, it's important.
0: So important because you spend so much time with the nurse.
1: Yeah. Like you need to know, you need to know and like your doctor because, you know, they're going to be there when when you're delivering, hopefully, sometimes. Yeah. But the team is so much part of that.
0: And it's like you want to trust your doctor. And we yeah. all want to believe that all doctor. we know, we as a mother-mother community believe in science and we Trust doctors, and in general, we want to believe that all doctors are good doctors and want to do no harm. But there are, I mean, there are some bad doctors out there. There are bad there apples are. in every in everything in every career in every yeah in every profession. Um, I think if something's wrong, it, it's partial. I'm sure doctors get annoyed with all these calls, and I know, having been a pregnant woman three four times, um, that uh, pregnant women who are not doctors are full of anxiety. I am sure that we, as a collective pregnant people, get very annoying. But part of a doctor's job, especially an obese job, I assume, is to kind of ease your mind a little.
1: Yeah, bit. and I, I think they expect that. You know, like they know that this is a time where most women, unless they've done it five times, don't know what's going on with their body right now. And everything's weird.
0: Everything, everything is
1: weird. It's so it's- weird. Super weird. Um, and then nothing's ever really the same after. So (laughs) it just it just I don't know, keeps on giving.
0: Oh, I want to keep talking about that. Uh we're gonna come back and talk (laughs) about my butthole. But before (laughs) we do that, we're gonna take a break. Before we go to break, I have a very important question for you. What are you wearing?
1: Um, I am actually wearing Target pajamas.
0: Are they those stars above one that are really soft?
1: Yeah, they are. Um, and it's like a matching like jogger pants with little cropped, not cropped, I'm 36. I don't wear cropped, but you know, a shorter <laughs> sweatery shirt.
0: I'm 39 and I do wear cropped, but only because my pants basically come up to my boobs.
1: Oh yeah. No, same, right? Like my jeans, I have some sweaters that are pretty short, but that's, yeah, my jeans are all the way up to past my belly button. So, Are you wearing a bra? I am wearing a bra.
0: That's That's big.
1: Yes. I that's I was gonna say that's been not a
0: trend. Not a trend on the show. But you also have not been like working from home in your own filth for the last two years. Not <laughs> in my own
1: filth. Hey, no, actually that is a perk of the pandemic to some extent though. So in Family Med, we don't we do procedures in the office here and there, but nothing that you really need to be in scrubs for. But one thing that the pandemic brought us was that I get to wear scrubs on a more regular basis.
0: But you're like pajamas.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's super comfortable. You know, we had the whole time where we were like wearing scrubs. We'd get home. We'd strip down, shower, do all of that. And I'm not doing that as much anymore. But uh, but I'm not, I'm not taking scrubs out of the rotation anymore.
0: My kid now wears a uniform. And I'm like, this is so easy. Everything's easy. <laughs> yes. I kind of have a uniform, too. I have a little capsule wardrobe slash uniform now. And it is makes everything so easy. It is. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. I'm hungry, I'm dirty, I'm losing my body. All right, we're back. My guest is Dr. Jennifer Sturridge Cummins, who is also my doctor, but today she's everyone's doctor. The mother, mother doctor. I (laughs) won't force you into that role in the Facebook page and tag you every time we have a question. But (laughs) but I'm very happy to have you here and answer uh, some listener questions that we have. I'm going to ask you a listener question. And then as I've promised or threatened, we're going to talk about my butt. Okay. This listener question, uh, this listener says, I'd like to hear about the magical trifecta of perimenopause, anxiety, and depression. (laughs) Because we're all kind of getting to that age.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, we still got some time, maybe. some of us
0: I know i mean the the woman who asked this is a friend of mine, and I know she's a few years older than I am, so and i'm thirty nine so she might be
1: yeah on the edge. yes, perimenopause is basically this weird, awkward time before official menopause, and it lasts different times for every single person, so that makes it super easy to predict. Uh, menopause, like, so we consider menopause when you've basically had no period for a year, but perimenopause is that time leading up to that where your periods can just become irregular. And sometimes it's every month and sometimes it's every six months and then, oh, it's going to go nine months and then three months and all over the place. And everyone does that a little differently. And for some people that lasts just the year, and then they just stop having periods. And then other people that lasts like four or five years. And then they finally stop having periods. So during that time, the symptoms can be all over the place as well.
0: And that's because of hormones.
1: Yeah. So basically during that time, your hormones are shifting, your estrogen starting to decrease. um, And that leads to a bunch of fun stuff. Menopause sort of brings on, (laughs) everyone's going to love this. So weight gain, irritability, hot flashes, night sweats, oh God. maybe some hair changes. <laughs> so I'm going to preface this though, because I actually read a, a study one time and I don't, I don't have the link to it right now, but it was this interesting thing that looked at different cultures in menopause. Um, and I will say, I think we do a disservice to people in the United States with menopause. We we look at it in a very negative light, like, Oh, it's menopause and I'm going to feel awful. But they looked at cultures that did that and and didn't necessarily support it and look at it as this good transition. And turns out the women experienced more symptoms in that culture. And then you'd look at cultures that had menopause and looked at it as a wonderful transition of no more periods and aging. And that was celebrated because aging is celebrated in that culture. And they reported less symptoms of menopause. Really? Yeah. So. I think to some extent I want to acknowledge that yes, these symptoms are real and they happen. Right. But- There's a
0: part of me that's like, well fuck that. Like if if things are <laughs> happening, like you gotta listen to women and believe them that things are horrible. But, but also I I also can totally believe and understand that if in a, in a culture where menopause is celebrated, that it's not as shitty.
1: Yeah. I mean right, like I think to an extent they're still experiencing the symptoms. It's just not as much of a burden. Yeah. Maybe you know so it's they're like yeah i have a hot flash but instead of going oh i have hot flashes and they're awful they're going i have a hot flash but this is part of it and
0: i mean in this country especially women kind of know that once we hit menopause we become invisible yes we become useless to society because we can no longer churn out babies right the the culture doesn't look too fondly or fairly on women
1: <laughs> on on older women
0: um especially
1: no and and <laughs> say this, like older women in our culture, I think starts at like 30.
0: Like, I mean, yeah, I had it. My second (laughs) pregnancy was a geriatric pregnancy.
1: Yes. Um, it's funny. Like just what we see in the media and everything else. It's yeah. I mean, this is kind of a tangent, but.
0: Oh, we love tangency.
1: So I, I think the minute anyone shows aging in our culture, it's, you're, you are, you're kind of cast off and put to the side. And so then anything that comes with that is just a reminder that, uh, you're old. Yeah. So basically to answer the, the listener's question, <laughs> to go back to that, um, yeah, perimenopause because of the shifts in hormones can lead to a lot of irritability, um, which I think stems from anxiety and stress and things like that. Um, and just many people's Anxiety and stresses tend to come out in anger and irritability. So yeah, it's a common symptom.
0: So when you're going through menopause and you're not of reproductive uh, viability anymore, do you go to your GP for this or do you go to your OB for this?
1: You can go to either, actually.
0: Okay. So what about when you're in menopause or when you've reached? Absolutely. Are, are you in menopause or do you reach menopause? Is menopause hmm. like a period or is it a is it a, it's a phase? You and then, have
1: reached menopause and then you are a menopausal female.
0: Forever? Or then you become post-menopausal? That's sort of a gray area. So menopause is like a transition. Yeah. You become a menopausal female, but you never come out of menopause. Like you never you come die. out, no. You're just in menopause. You are or just you're menopausal. in menopause
1: or post-menopause. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could, again, there's a gray area because it's different for every woman, but I guess you could specify postmenopause as the time where- you really are not having any more hormone shifts. The hot flashes are gone, but that can happen pretty late for some people. so. So OB is OB gynecology. They are trained in all female related issues. So they will see women for this at any time. They also take care of women's health at any age. So you can go to your ob guide for that, but you can also go to your family med doctor for that too.
0: So. so I only, I don't even remember why I started seeing you, but I was like, I need a GP and I needed a GP for something. And I can't remember what it was, but I never had a GP because I was in my mid thirties and I'd always, I had an OB. And so I went to my OB and I went and got my annual physical. And if I, you know, I had a, miscarriage. I had a baby. I just never thought I had a need for a general practitioner. And if I needed a doctor, I went to a specialist. And I guess Mm -hmm. I was lucky because my insurance let me just like go to a specialist. Is that a problem that women see an OB and they don't see a GP?
1: Um, I think early on, probably not. I think most of the screening, lab work, you know, pap smears, all of that stuff that's done is easily done through OB Gun. They they absolutely handle all of that and they should and can. Um, I think where it comes into play is when other things start coming up, right? Like, oh, you start to get high cholesterol in your lab work or people that have high blood pressure or oh thyroid labs are off. Some OB guns will manage that for a while, but many start to go, I'm this isn't my arena go find a general practitioner and i think that's usually when people get the transition over is something comes up or they are done having babies and then they go wait why why do i need to see my baby doctor
0: that reminds me why i came and saw you do you remember
1: no was that the adhd stuff
0: no i went wow. to a psychiatrist for that for
1: that first right
0: yeah i had i was basically a grandpa <laughs> I had the gout. Oh, yes, that's right. (laughs) You did have gout. That's why I found a general practitioner because I got fucking gout in my knee. Yes,
1: that's right. Yes, and in
0: your knee, not even in like the normal joint. (laughs) I don't, yeah, where you usually get in your foot or something? You're like,
1: yeah, your big toe is the typical, but
0: I had been abusing my body. I was um, getting my house ready to be photographed for apartment therapy. Uh, And I will drop the link to that the to the home tour in the show notes. But I was getting my my house ready to be a photographed for apartment therapy. And I was just, I had just been diagnosed with ADHD. So I was like newly on ADHD meds, which when you're first on them, it's like, whoa, okay, I have energy now for the I gotta do all the things. <laughs> and then I was because I was working so much, I was eating a lot of like takeout, mm-hmm. especially a lot of fried rice. <laughs> I was eating like so <laughs> much fried rice. And then we went to a dinner party. It was just like meat and like heavy <laughs> soups with cream. And she, my husband made like a foie gras thing that was on top of other meat. And I remember having this like very heavy, creamy soup and I was drinking whiskey and it was. Maybe not the next morning, but the morning after I woke up and my I couldn't walk and my knee was on fire and in so much pain and I was like, What is happening?
1: Yes. And then I had
0: I went to urgent care and like, you have the gout. And I was like, No way. You have gout. Oh yeah. They call it gout. I call it the gout. The I think gout. because of Adam Sandler, maybe. I don't know. The
1: beatus, The diabetes.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> I was kind of mortified, but now I can laugh about it that I had the gout. And that's why I finally started Seeing you. And I'm so glad that I did. It it does, it is nice to have a doctor mm-hmm. who I can just like send. I try not to send them through Facebook. I try to use the portal, but to send a question or, you know, if I have a concern. And I am very proud of myself that, that it was this last it was last summer. Mm-hmm. I actually just came in for a checkup. Yes. To see you. But I do think that if you and I hadn't been Facebook friends and I you hadn't been popping up in my feed, <laughs> I don't think I would have just like made an appointment to go see a GP. Yeah. Because I wasn't going anywhere and I wasn't going to quote unnecessary medical appointments. Right. You know, I skipped my six week postpartum checkup because it was peak brand new COVID. And even my doctor was like, yeah, please. She's like, yeah, if you're not having problems, do not come in. But I have never been great about just preventive care. And I know part of that is the ADHD. Like I don't I I don't like to think about those things. But I know that women Mothers in general, oh yeah, aren't great about this, and we don't take care of ourselves, and we don't go see a doctor just for a checkup, even when everything seems fine. Right, I know some of us don't go see a doctor when things are weird, my butt, which <laughs> we can talk about later. How do we fix this? How do we fix this problem, Jennifer?
1: <laughs> uh, start coming to your doctor.
0: It's not that seems easy. Simple? No,
1: <laughs> it does. It's not. Um, you're not alone in that. No, you're absolutely right. Um, this is actually true for, I think. I'm going to generalize and honestly say all people. So I know this is a a mother podcast, but honestly, most 20-year-olds, like people in their 20s don't see a doctor for a while.
0: I didn't even have health insurance in my 20s. I was fine. I was invincible.
1: Right? Like, so... Exactly. Like you don't need to be sane. What are you going to do? And to some extent, there's not a lot we do, but you know, we check in, we make sure your blood pressure is okay. We make sure that everything else looks fine. Um, But I start to see people, I really do. I start to see people more regularly in their thirties because that's when people start to find their their, uh, primary care doctors.
0: And- Most of them don't do that because they get gout in their thirties.
1: No, I have people, you know what, you know what one of the most common things is. And, and I guess this is one of the benefits of some insurance requirements. Um, most common things that'll bring people in a lot of the times for a physical is those wellness screens that you have to do for insurance. Sometimes they'll bring in the like little biometric screening forms and they'll go, I need this for work. And I go, great. Glad you're here. It's like so, the physical
0: you used to get in school. Like you had to get a physical before school every year. Right?
1: Yeah. yeah. So it it forces them to come in cuz they'll get some money off on their insurance. And, yeah. And then I get them, then I lock them in. <sighs> um <laughs> so uh I mean that's it, right? Like when it really comes down to it, if you're an otherwise healthy person, it's a once a year physical and you're right. Women and moms especially are awful at doing this because we will make sure that our kids get to every single one of their appointments and there are many early on, but we can't seem to make one visit a year work sometimes. So I don't know. That's that opens the whole door into, you know, finding that balance as as moms and taking care of ourselves to make sure we we can keep.
0: Well, let's open it. Yeah. Let's open that door. So, <laughs> so- A, I think we've established as moms, we do not take good care of ourselves. I mean, you, I know you work out, so you take care of yourself in that way, but like moms in general, we don't take care of ourselves, but I feel like we are also constantly being fed like wellness woo, Mm -hmm. but there are things that could qualify as like the good kind of wellness that we probably could and should be doing that we're not like going to our doctor, getting more sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What. Now, something you told me uh, a couple weeks ago when we were messaging is that most women know exactly what they need to do to be healthy or be well. And I, I feel like I could write a book on how to be healthy. Yeah. I'm not, I can't do any of it for myself.
1: <laughs> exactly. No. So, yeah, when you asked me to come on, you kind of said, you know, and we could talk about like wellness and, and moms. And I just kept thinking about it. And I think to some extent people go, okay, wellness. Well, what are you supposed to do for that? But, I think I said back to you, everyone knows what to do, right? Like we should all be exercising and eating better. And in reality though, that doesn't happen. And and yes, I work out, but it's not consistent. Um, I mean, I'll go two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, sometimes not being able to get a workout in because it just doesn't work with the schedules. Yeah. And then I'll go two, three weeks with doing it a couple, two, three times a week. And, and it's great. And I feel better.
0: Um, Oh, I always feel so good when I exercise like once every three years, but I'm like, oh God, like it's it's such a pain to get there to like put on workout clothes. And
1: so I've had so many conversations with women about that, right? Like they come in and they go, I've gained weight. I just don't know what to do. And, and to some extent there's so, there's not a lot to do if you can't make it work. And essentially it's just not fair. But
0: society is giving us all these ways that we can.
1: Oh, yeah. You know,
0: take this, do this, enroll in this, buy this, MLM, this shit. Oh, yeah.
1: So none of that works. Don't buy it.
0: (laughs) End of the day. I know. I tried them all in my 20s trying to get skinny. Right.
1: No, no. It's a waste of money. Yeah. Let's see where to start. So, okay the number one conversation I'll I'll get, I'll, you know, I'll be asking women and I'll go, okay, you know, what do you do for work? How many kids do you have? What do you do for your free time? And then one of my questions during a physical is, are you doing any exercise? And I kind of laugh when I say it because I just ask them about everything they have to do. And then I go, in reality, I'm completely with you and understand if you say none, because that is most of my time as well. And, and that is the case. They go, yeah, I don't know when to do that. Or if they do, they go "Eh, kind of, but not regularly. And I I have a few things (laughs) on that one, because I don't get into my, my views on culture and, and our poor representation with them. But one thing is, I think so many people think exercise has to be an hour at the gym, five times a week. And it doesn't. I mean, a walk can count as exercise, Dancing can count as exercise. Moving with your kids can count as exercise. Like it just has to be movement of some kind. And I think we get caught up because of what we've been told exercise is supposed to be.
0: And what we're supposed to wear.
1: Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, (laughs) that you have to have like special clothes to do it. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. So, I mean, that'd be one thing I'd say. But What this really comes down to, after I've had so many conversations about it, is working moms can't do it all. Like they just can't. And they can't do it consistently or they can't do it the way they want to exactly. I mean, if you want to get up at five in the morning and exercise, great. Or if you want to do it at 9.30 or 10 at night, great. I also don't want to do that. Same. I'm still
0: working. I'm still working at 9.30 or 10 at night. Exactly.
1: My peak exercise time, like the time I feel best to go do it is like 2. Really? 2.30 in the afternoon.
0: If I've eaten anything and I try to exercise, I will vomit in my mouth. If I don't exercise first thing in the morning, it doesn't happen. But I am not a morning person which is why I don't exercise.
1: That's why it's like just enough after lunch to be able to make it happen. Yeah, But that doesn't happen all the time. I mean, most of the time I'm at work, I've been able to like finagle my schedule a little bit to make that happen some, but most people can't do that. Of course they can't. So I think we've done a disservice by labeling this have it all mentality. Like I can be a working mom and be healthy and take care of the kids and make sure my house is
0: clean. And get along with my spouse, and
1: and like my spouse, right? Like it's it's not reasonable. And even from the husband side, so like we had this idea, you know, of these these husbands that were off working um, and had it all. They got to have the family, they got to have the job, but it's because they had a wife at home doing all the other stuff, or yeah. a spouse at home doing all the other
0: stuff. Now, back when that happened, it was a it was a wife. It was a wife back then. Yeah, (laughs) right. We weren't that, this culture, this society was not that progressive back then. It was a wife. It's true.
1: Yeah. And so nowadays, you know, we have women that want to go to work, but also think they can do that full-time and be a full-time, you know, perfect mom. And you can't. And if you ask the husband to start taking on more roles, which many do, and my husband honestly is great at it, but in order for him to do that and take on more roles, he's also had to sacrifice some of his work time.
0: Same in my family.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, this whole mentality of what it used to look like to have it all, I think, is very different. And we need to start embracing that.
0: I think we all need a full time nanny slash housekeeper.
1: Yes. That would be lovely if we could, you know,
0: all just afford a nanny
1: and housekeeper. <laughs> it's, I mean, so that's the whole other side, right? Like, I have conversations with with moms and parents that absolutely could make changes and ask for the help and bring that on board. But then I have, plenty of moms that can't. Yeah. Look, okay, you know, If I could
0: afford it, w- I would. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I want to make sure we have time to talk about my butt, which I keep threatening, but <laughs> you do keep threatening it. <laughs> but before we get to my butt, sleep or exercise, pick one for moms. So we don't die. Oh, God. Like if we have to pick one, is it getting enough sleep or is it exercising?
1: Exercise. Okay. I'm going to pick exercise. Okay. Why? I mean, uh, yeah, okay, so exercise because <laughs> um, it'll make me sleep better, right, yes, to some extent, um, mostly because it, yeah it it allows your body to function, metabolize, do everything it's supposed to better the argument, the other argument to that is so to sleep, yeah. Oh. Um, but if it's between getting like six hours of sleep, like if you're saying, "Oh, I only get two hours of sleep a night," well, okay, you got to prioritize sleep. Sometimes it's three or four. You got to prioritize sleep in that regard. Then. I know. But if it's like I get six hours of sleep, but I don't exercise at all, well, start exercising. You need to prioritize that.
0: Okay. So first, I should start getting six hours of sleep minimum. Yeah. Then prioritize exercise. Sure. Okay. Okay, I can work on that. Can I yeah, I was gonna say, can I give two goals? I don't know. No, I said pick one. (laughs) I know.
1: I'm breaking the rules.
0: There's so much I wanted to talk to you about, which I feel like we're not gonna get to because we have to talk about butts now. Okay. It's it's time to do it butt. It's time to do butt (laughs) stuff. Time to do butt stuff. Whatever, whatever you're into. I am not into butt stuff because (laughs) of all of my butt problems. Okay. 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 Nobody ever talks about their hemorrhoids. No. Nobody talks about their fucking hemorrhoids. I have had hemorrhoids since I was like 14. Well, I've had butt problems since I was 14. I've had hemorrhoids. I don't know exactly how long. And I think they might be related to the Accutane I took in my early 20s. Maybe. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Um, But I've had hemorrhoids for a very long time. Yes. But nobody talks about their hemorrhoids.
1: So many women and so many women that have been pregnant because, you know, a lot of pressure happens down there for I don't know at least five of the nine months and yeah it just makes hemorrhoids basically so for people that don't know hemorrhoids are like um essentially like varicose veins of the rectum so they bulge out but they can get like really painful and sometimes they can get like what we call thrombosed which is like a clot kind of in there and if they're on the outside they're really painful um oh I know And yeah, painful, itchy, uncomfortable, everything and can take weeks, two weeks to like go away and then they'll come back and then they'll go away. Um, You don't always have to have them cut, but some do because they just won't go away on their own. They're rough and you're right. No one talks about them. It's funny because I'll have all of women come in and they'll be like, so I have this thing near my rectum and it's like a bulge. I'm like, oh, you mean like a hemorrhoid? They're like, oh, is that what that is? I'm like, yes, yes it is. Um, As far as preventing them. And I think this is the other issue. So even before pregnancy, like you mentioned having them at like 14, right? And I think actually a lot of women start with issues earlier too, and then they just get exacerbated with pregnancy. Women tend to be more prone to constipation than men are. Why? I don't know fully. I think there's a lot of things that play into that I think some of it is like IBS symptoms, like you get stress and anxiety that feeds into IBS and then for women that tends to lean more towards constipation.
0: Oh, because we're forced to internalize all of our emotions and not deal with them?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to some okay. extent, yeah, right? yeah, just checking. Um, I also think, right, like we kind of have this mentality of like women don't poop or like they're not supposed to. <laughs> yeah,
0: we don't poop, <laughs> right? we don't have hemorrhoids, we don't get the gout. We are sexy, gorgeous, clean angels.
1: Always, um, so like talking about you know healthy bowel movements as a teen never happens, no, and so, and then, God forbid you go poop at school or you go to you know, I don't
0: know, like, no, I know, I can poop anywhere now, but I could never, I remember going to camp and setting an alarm like three or four days into camp, so I could get up at two or three in the morning and go poop, yeah, because I couldn't poop when anybody else was around,
1: and I think that's it, right, like men. Basically, it's just they talk about poop and farts and all that from like little on, and oh, it's just something they do. And of course, they're regular, and yeah, sometimes they go twice a day, and you know, like all of these things. And women were like, "Oh, I can't talk about how I poop," you know, because then then we'll be
0: unattractive to men. Yes, and then we're worthless.
1: Right. I think to some extent, women develop unhealthy bowel habits early on. Which then leads to constipation, which then leads to hemorrhoids, which gets worse over time.
0: Holy shit. I never made that that's I never made that connection, but I could not poop around anyone ever. Yeah. Because they might hear you. They might hear I know. you. And girls don't poop. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> like this is the mystery of the universe you just unlocked for <laughs> me. I hope it helps others. And I hope parents will talk to their daughters about healthy pooping habits. Talk to your daughters about poop. When you're talking to your daughters about their bodies, talk to them about poop. Oh, my God. I wish somebody would have talked to me about poop. At some point in my life, I got over my poop fears. Yes. And we are very open with our kids about pooping when they're babies. We would like bring right. them into the bathroom with us because you can't leave a baby. No. You know, they'll kill themselves. <laughs> and so they were always in the bathroom with us when we were pooping. And I feel like that is part of the reason my older son, Potty, trained at like 22 months because because we're yeah. so open about the bathroom.
1: This is how you do this. Yeah.
0: But when I was growing up, I- I've actually never heard my dad fart ever. This
1: is amazing. Really?
0: Yeah, never. And when he pooped, I mean, my parents divorced when I was three. So I was only there like every other weekend and then in the summers and holidays. But like when he pooped, he would run the bathtub. So if he went to the bathroom and started the bathtub, I knew he was pooping. So he would run the bathtub. So no one heard him pooping. And I have never heard him fart.
1: Huh. Yeah, this is interesting, right? Like, I kind of want to dive into what were the messages he got.
0: Well, his dad was a minister, so <laughs> <was> I'm sure <laughs> pooping was sinful. <laughs> we're going, we're going way, we're going way off track here. We are. <laughs> I had to get the butt stuff in. So, can you like send a message to women about their butts? Well, like, a other than talk to your girls about poop, <laughs>
1: talk to your girls
0: about poop. It's okay to poop. Give us all some some words of assurance or statistics about our butts, please.
1: one talk about it because everyone actually deals with it to some extent I actually have a lot of conversations about poop during my days and everyone's embarrassed about it that brings it up and so stop that stop being embarrassed about it because it's pretty normal we all do it uh two because this is also my issue hydrate like I am awful at drinking water same but I mean we need a lot. So, you know, 60 64 ounces or something of water a day. It's I don't get near that. Um but we need to hydrate and you got to eat well. You got to eat your fiber, right? You got to get normal bowel movements. And if you have normal bowel movements that pass easily, then you'll have
0: less hemorrhoids. Okay. And we're not we are not alone like most women. Many women. I don't know if I can say most, but many, many. Many women and most most people who Bear and have children. Oh yes, have have dealt with something
1: around their butt.
0: I think we should all just start talking about our butts more often. Mm-hmm. I think I should do a whole episode on hemorrhoids and butt health. Yes, I'm going to do a whole episode on butts. <laughs>
1: I'm trying to write like I'm just thinking of all the questions that might come your way with this.
0: Oh, my God, I should do it. And I should have I should do like half of the episode dedicated to listener questions, because usually I don't yes. do that. Today was the first time I invited people to ask questions from my guest, So there might be a butt episode in our future.
1: <laughs> Didn't weren't you supposed to do like a, a boob episode, too?
0: Yes, that's that's coming.
1: Yeah. So like just kind of go through the body. Yes.
0: I don't want this to end because I feel like I have so much more to talk to you about, but I feel like we should wrap it up. One final piece of advice for moms, just like one thing that we can all do so we don't die in 10 years of overworking ourselves and not taking care of ourselves. What is one thing that you would tell mothers right now to be healthier in an actual medical sense?
1: I feel like this is very cliche, but my number one would probably be ask for help or ask for time ooh yeah i think more than anything we want time yes. which can be given to you in so many different ways so you know just find that like identify where the need is and then ask for it or demand it to to an extent you know like other people get to do that and women aren't good at that so <laughs> If you need the time, if you know, you know what I feel better when I exercise. Then you go. I'm carving out 20 minutes, three times a week to do that. Then you got to demand it. Like this is this is what I need for me.
0: That's great advice, Doctor Jennifer Sturge Cummins. Thank you so much. I will come see you soon because I just want to keep talking about my butt. Perfect. Ha! And you have to. I can give you. I can give you more personally <laughs> curated
1: information about you. I'll pull my I'll, I'll be like, episode. look
0: at look at this thing. Look at this
1: thing <laughs> right. in my butt. Look at my butt. <laughs> exactly.
0: Jennifer, thank you so so much. I'm gonna come see you in person soon okay. and we'll continue this conversation about my butt and its myriad problems. I am very much looking forward to to uh more butt talk with you. More butt stuff.
1: I, I cannot wait.
0: <laughs> thank you so 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 much and we'll talk soon. Mother mother Isn't Jennifer great? I am so glad she's my doctor. As I mentioned in the intro, I did have to cut out a lot of our interview for the sake of time. But if you want to continue the conversation, join us in the Facebook group. It's the Mother Mother Podcast Facebook group. You can find it when you search or go to facebook.com slash groups slash mother mother podcast. And the password is tired. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to Mother Mother. If you're loving the show, please, 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 please tell your mom friends, either on social media or in real life. And please also rate and review Mother Mother on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. The more people listen, the more time I can spend creating great episodes for you. And I really, really, really want to hire an editor since I just accepted a full-time job and I'm writing a book and I've been staying up until 3 a.m. on Mondays prepping episodes and you just heard my doctor tell me I need to get more sleep. I've linked the articles and my apartment therapy home tour, which is now almost four years old, in the show notes, and you can always find more information about the show, my guests, and people and products mentioned on every episode at mothermotherpodcast.com, where you can leave me a voicemail. I'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of Mother Mother, so go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Our theme song, Mother Mother by Tracy Bonham, is performed by the amazing Jocelyn McKenzie with Harry Bowles. Bye.
1: Mother, mother, can you hear me? Sure, I'm so.